Yesterday against the Chicago Bulls, it was a tale of two halves for the Memphis Grizzlies because in the first half, they looked like a team poised to make an NBA Finals run potentially. And then in the second half, they look like a team that uh, has a lot to work on over the next week. So what's the truth? Where are the Grizzlies right now after a 23-point blown lead in Chicago? And the answer, we're going to have that for you coming up right here on Locked on Grizzlies. Stay locked in. You are Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host today, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal, DeMichael Cole, here, right here in Memphis, Tennessee. First and foremost, want to appreciate you, and thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies with us. And we made it, y'all. We've made it to the final week of the regular season, so a lot to talk about, a lot of things, you know, to get I guess, get the little kinks here uh, done before we get to the postseason and it's 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 party time. It's party time. But with the Grizzlies here, they got a lot of kinks to figure out. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things with the Grizzlies where I feel like overall they're in a good position, but they're not in a great position going into the postseason. But you got a week to figure some of those things out because none of the things that I think they have to figure out are long-term uh, issues potentially, but you only got a week. I mean, that's that's not a lot of time. Going back to yesterday's game, as I stated earlier, the Grizzlies lost uh, by – they, they, they led by 23 points and lost by 21. A completely drastic turnaround. And before we talk about that turnaround, I want to let you know that this episode today – is brought to you by Prize Picks. See, the thing about Prize Picks is 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on if you're a first time listener. Remember, first time users, excuse me, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com and use the promo code locked on. So, the Grizzlies, first game. You know, uh, on this one-game road trip, you go out to Chicago, and they looked good in that first half. 13 made three-pointers, and I think it's always better when it wasn't just Luke Kennard, you know, on one of his hot streaks or or Desmond Bain on one of his shot streaks or Tyus Jones on one of his hot streaks. Des was making them. Luke was making them. Jared Jackson Jr. chipped in. Dylan Brooks was phenomenal. I think he made three of his first four three-pointers. Everyone was chipping in, and it was like, man, if this is what teams are going to have to guard in the postseason, good luck. Uh, The Grizzlies raced out to a 23-point lead, I think, midway through the second quarter. And then everything went crashing down. As Taylor Jenkins said, the Grizzlies played one of their worst third quarters of the season, one of the worst quarters of the season. And it's kind of 
you know, it's kind of strange that it happened in the third quarter. That's the quarter. If you've been listening to us here or if you read my work at the Commercial Appeal, I've kind of talked about how that third quarter has been where the Grizzlies make their adjustments at the halftime and they break teams down. This time it was the other way around. So we can break down how the Grizzlies got the lead, how they lost it, and just what's the overall theme here. You know, some people say, oh, it's just one game, throw it out the window. Some people will say you shouldn't have these type of performances uh, one week before the playoffs if you want to go into the playoffs playing your best basketball. Well, let's start off with how the Grizzlies got the lead. It was a terrific first half of basketball, not just – it wasn't the fact that the Grizzlies were just knocking down shots. It was how they got those shots. It was how, you know, easy those shots came into flow. And that's where I say the Grizzlies can kind of separate themselves if they can consistently play this brand of basketball going into the postseason. The Grizzlies had 19 assists in the first half. 19 assists. I've said 30 assists in a game is usually kind of the barometer, right, for if a team is having, you know, an amazing day passing the ball. You want to get to 30 assists. 30 assists is the numbers. But the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies had 19. Basically, we're on pace for 38 assists in this game. So I, I think, you know, that stood out to me as, personally, the Grizzlies were moving the basketball. I saw the Grizzlies coaches talk about it, you know, at halftime, how – when this team moves the basketball like this, they're pretty hard to beat. I'll give you some numbers here. When the Grizzlies, when the Grizzlies total 30 assists in the NBA, uh, they've been they've been one of the hardest teams uh, to beat in the association. I believe uh, it's it, quite simply looking at the numbers here. Uh, they, they had 37 assists against. They had 30. They had 37 assists against the Toronto Raptors. That's the highest. You have to go down all the way to a 32-assist game against the L.A. Clippers. Uh, and outside it, before that game, the Grizzlies have had, I believe, uh, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 wins. 14 wins with games over 30 assists, 14 and 1. It's simple. You get 30 assists, you win games. So starting off with 19 assists, Tyus Jones, John Morant, all these guys getting involved. John Morant finished the game with a triple-double. So uh, the ball movement was phenomenal in, in the first half, and then the second half happened. The coaches said, hey, we got to keep the ball moving. It stopped. And not only did the ball movement stop, the playing style that the Grizzlies played, they, they kept playing the same playing style in a way. But there's a there's a good and a bad side. I kind of tweeted a reference to it, but – I'm going to break down what I'm saying here. So the Grizzlies have one of the fastest paces in the NBA. It's good, right? It's good when you see John Morant getting downhill with 20 seconds on the shot clock, dunking on people, and Desmond Bain, as, as a lot of people like to call him, downhill Des, getting downhill, you know, with that shoulder, moving guys out of the way and making layups, and Dylan Brooks running the floor, and Jaron Jackson Jr. running the floor, and the list goes on. It's good. When it's fun and the Grizzlies are putting up 35, 40 point quarters and and scoring 20 points in the paint, 10 transition points in a quarter. But there's a side where it can backfire. And I don't know if the Grizzlies have really figured out how to find that balance. In this game against the Bulls, the Grizzlies were up 23 points 
Five minutes left in the second quarter. Chicago took the lead with just a couple minutes left in the third quarter. Never relinquished the lead after that. A team, for a team to overcome a 23-point deficit pretty much in a quarter's time of play, the Grizzlies committed turnovers. But even when the Grizzlies weren't scoring, it was so, I mean, there were a couple possessions where Desmond Bain got the rebound and he just went coast to coast and he'd miss a layup. And if you're, you got to put yourself in the opposing shoes to really figure out what I'm saying here. If you're the other team, if you're trying to make that comeback, we've seen the Grizzlies do it, right? Grizzlies came back from 29 points against the San Antonio Spurs just a couple weeks ago. When you're the other team in that situation, the team trying to make the comeback, anytime you see that team in the lead taking quick shots, you're like, oh, yes. Whoo, thank you. Thank you, because you, you're bailing me out, especially when you miss. Even if you make it, okay, cool, let's go. We got plenty of time. The, when you derail a team is when you when you milk the clock, and it's six seconds on the clock, and then you just go into your move, and you nail it. It's like, man, they knocked all the time off the clock, and they got the basket. Even if you miss, you knocked a lot of time off the clock. Now, I'm not saying the Grizzlies need to play keep away and, and all that. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I applaud the Grizzlies for staying aggressive, for keeping – you know, their foot on the gas pedal, uh, even while being up 23 points. But it was clear as day that things got out of control. Patrick Beverly, Alex Caruso, uh, you know, the Bulls have a terrific defensive backcourt. And I think Kobe White really came in that game, gave them a boost. I think he had 19 points off the bench. It really, it really was Alex Caruso and Kobe White, not Patrick Beverly. But the thing about it is, that game was clearly getting out of control, and the Grizzlies, they, they weren't really calling. You know, Taylor Jenkins was, was letting the guys play when he did call timeout. Uh, the same issues continued, and they carried over into the fourth quarter. And so it leads me to this. I'll say this. I think this game can be looked at as a one-offer because you have that first-half pitcher to look at just like you have the second-half pitcher, right? We've seen the Grizzlies struggle in fourth quarters this year. So uh, I think that's more of the overlying issue if you want to break down how the Grizzlies can be at their peak in the playoffs. But the way the Grizzlies lost in this game, 31-3 to in points off turnovers, that doesn't happen a lot to the Grizzlies. That's not something you can say, oh, yeah, that's, that's a problem against a lot of teams. That was something the Chicago Bulls kind of got the Grizzlies rattled and the Grizzlies start making uncharacteristic decisions that we haven't seen a lot. Just turnover after turnover after turnover. 31-3 to three advantage for Chicago in points off turnovers. Uh, that's the 28-point uh, advantage, and the Bulls won by 21. So that tells you all you need to know uh, right there. At the end of the day, the Grizzlies have their frantic, fast-paying style. It's great. It's great. I, I love to see it, and I think you know it, it takes a lot of teams off balance, and it works for the Grizzlies because we've talked about how they're not one of the great half-court teams. They get out so fast and they score a lot of points. But you also have to be mindful when you're in those situations. Let's get the, let's milk the shot clock a little bit in certain situations, especially if the other team has it going. Let's call a little couple timeouts. Just get the ball to Jaron Jackson Jr. Let him ISO on the block because that's how the, the run was ended. The run to close the third quarter, I think, was 17 nothing. First possession of the fourth quarter the Grizzlies did. 
Uh, what they couldn't do in the third quarter because Jaron Jackson Jr. was in some foul trouble, they went to Jaron Jackson Jr. on the first possession basket, run over. Just like that. You got to have a run stopper in the NBA. So uh, not a big issue here. I think this is more of a one offer, but it is something to be mindful of, again, with one week remaining until the postseason. Uh some other things to be mindful of one week remaining for the postseason are John Morant, rotation, lineup combinations, and much more. We're going to talk about all that in a second. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about prize picks. See, the thing about prize picks is it's 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 different because what you do is you can pick a few players. You pick a few players, pick two to six players preferably, and you say, hey, I want this player – to score this many points. I want this player to get this many rebounds. And I want this player to get this many assists. I want this player to get this many rebounds. And you can package it all together, right? You can pick two to six players is the number that prize picks gives you. Say, hey, they will score this many points. They'll score less than this. And guess what? You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Think about prize picks. Is you're not competing against any other people. It's you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. So that's the NBA. That's the NFL when it's back. Major League Baseball is back. Shout out to my Atlanta Braves fans out there. NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, wherever. And interest can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. Safe and fast withdrawals as well. And operational in over 30 states Plus, you can go uh, have prize picks in Canada. Well, how do you get prize picks? It's very simple, actually. Download the prize picks apps, or you can go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with the promo code locked on. So remember, when we say you can receive up to $100 on an instant deposit match, it doesn't have to be $100. If you deposit $50, You'll get a deposit match of $50. You, you, you deposit some random number like $36.50, you'll get a deposit match of $36.50. But just make sure when you do that, don't forget to enter the promo code locked on when you sign up for the instant deposit match. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how the Grizzlies are trying to aim and get that consistency after the break. So right now, we just mentioned, you know, the the lull there against the Chicago Bulls. And, and if it means anything, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a big sample size we've seen from the Grizzlies where they've had terrific play. Terrific play. And that game just was something we hadn't really seen. We hadn't seen the Grizzlies kind of just break down, you know, in that way. And Taylor Jenkins kind of was speechless in a way after the game and trying to describe how did this happen, what happened, and how do you fix it? There are some other things here, and Taylor Jenkins has kind of touched on these a lot that I want to talk to you about when it comes to how the Grizzlies can find consistency. That's what they're doing right now. They're searching for consistency of the the play. I was actually wrote in the story of the commercial appeal that – the Grizzlies actually aren't overly concerned with playoff seating right now. And it's a different, it's a different message from last year, right? If you remember last year, the Grizzlies were in the hunt with the Golden State Warriors, and the conversation was, oh yeah, can't wait to get the number two seed. We need the number two seed. We need the number two seed. Uh it was, and it was, we're pushing for it. 
We're pushing for the number two seed. This year, no one's saying that, at least not out loud in the public eye. It's more of we want to be playing our best basketball. And I think the Grizzlies have learned that from other teams in the Western Conference who've been there. Think Golden State last season, right? The Grizzlies played Golden State in March. Steph Curry didn't play. I think Klay Thompson didn't play. Uh, and, and a couple other, you know, important role uh, guys while the Grizzlies were trying to, you know, get everybody back, right? The Grizzlies were pretty much in pushing for playoff mode. And the Warriors got healthy when the playoffs hit. They clicked and they won a championship. So right now, the biggest thing for the Grizzlies is consistency. So how do the Grizzlies find consistency? So three ways that I outlined here. And we'll start with the most interesting one. And then we'll work our way down. Now, the most interesting one here is who gets the ball in certain situations? I know you're saying these guys have been playing together for years. I mean, that's that's not tough, right? Well, the dynamic of this team in the last month, in the month of March, I'll tell you this. I think the dynamic of this team changed as much as any month previously of uh, this season and possibly even last season. Let me explain why. For one, there's the obvious one. We'll throw the obvious answer out there. Luke Kennard, right? Luke Kennard has given this team an element of shooting uh, that it didn't have at first because now you can have Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard on the floor together or at least one of them on the floor at all times when the game is competitive. So there's that angle, right? When you talk about, you know, how the Grizzlies can find that consistency. And then there's uh, John Morant being suspended. When John Morant was suspended, Jaron Jackson Jr. had his best stretch of play, period. Period, this season. 25-point games. I think he had four or five games in a row, 25-plus points. And he looked dominant, two-way dominant. Getting to the basket, he had 31 points against the Chicago Bulls on last night as well. Uh, he set the single-season blocks record, and the Grizzlies kind of discovered something. And I was talking to Taylor Jenkins about this a lot, and we've talked about it here, how the Grizzlies are kind of emphasizing getting the ball to Jaron Jackson Jr. But then there was Desmond Bain as well, another example, playing more of a ball-handling role. So how does all that – incorporate with, with, with John Morant. If you're watching John Morant right now, I know some of you are thinking it. Some of you probably won't say it. I actually wrote about it uh, this morning as well. You can go check it out on commercialfield.com. I wrote about how John Morant kind of doesn't even view himself as a number one option anymore. That's strange, right? John Morant said to us uh, after the second Clippers game that he basically is, is adjusting to you know, not being the number one option. And when he was talking about not being the number one option, he mentioned that, you know, we have Dez, we have Ja. I mean, we have Dez, we have Jaron. And remember, when John Morant first got back, he offered to come off the bench. He suggested it. He said, hey, I can I can come off the bench. So I think there's a, there's a thing here. John Morant can't forget who the guy who was doing the call 12 celebration last season guy who was one of the top clutch scorers in the NBA, and I get it. I'm Trust me, I'm just as familiar with his fourth-quarter numbers this season as anyone out there. I've seen him shooting, you know, 18% in the fourth quarter on three-pointers, you know, in these games. Seen his field goal percentage numbers. I've seen all those numbers. But I raise you this. 
throw those numbers out the window because now the Grizzlies have a chance to close a game with a better offensive lineup than they had in any of those stretches. What we saw was teams packing the paint against John Morant and basically saying, you got to shoot it to beat us. Or you're because you're not, or you're going to drive over four dudes. Good luck. They're going to stay attached to Desmond Bain, but they're not going to stay attached to everyone else. Well, guess what? Now you have the potential of saying, we got Desmond Bain on this side, we got Luke Kennard on this side. You stay attached to both of them. John Morant, easy pickings at the rim. Easy. Easy. So, so, so now you have a different dilemma where I say, hey, John Morant can attack the basket the same way he was attacking at the beginning of the season when he was struggling to score in the fourth quarter. And the results will be better simply because of what the Grizzlies have around them. But the thing is, you don't want John to forget that. Sure, I'm one of the people who said it. Jaron Jackson Jr., your fourth quarter, that's your go-to guy. But John needs to be a go-to guy too. You don't have to have one guy where you just give the ball his hands and everybody moves out of the way every single position late in the fourth quarter. Uh, the great teams, the greatest teams, tended to have a couple guys, you know, in, in, in recent years, you know, as basketball has reached a whole nother level where we're talking about just the level of talent on the floor. Look at all the great teams, right? You think of, you know, the Warriors during their entire run, you know, the, the Currys, the Clays, Andrew Wiggins, the Kevin Durants of the world. Uh, the list goes on. All these teams have had multiple guys where they say, hey, you're my go-to guy, but we need that guy to step up as well. Uh, ja and Jared need to be there, but Ja has to remember who he is in those situations. I think, you know, it'll come to him. Like I said, it's a continuity thing. It's Ja working his way back, and I know some people have said something, said some things to me like, oh, Ja's holding the ball too long and and all those things, that's kind of led to some turnovers as well. If you, if you watch, uh, my opinion on that is we see Ja holding the ball sometimes when he's trying to figure out what to do with it, and it's kind of led to some turnovers where when he's out of the game, sometimes the Grizzlies just they're moving the ball left, right, left, right, left, right, and everyone's getting touches. So it's a different dynamic. But John Moran is still finding his way. And, again, I've said it a few times on this episode. I'm going to say it a couple more times before he end up leaving. There's only a week left. There's only a week left. So the urgency for these things is, is rapido. Oh, you need the Grizzlies to figure this out fast. Or we're talking about a fast exit in the playoffs with the way the Western Conference is looking. Uh, that's where we are at right now. So speaking of how uh, great the Western Conference is looking, uh, we're going to talk about that in a second but before we get to that i gotta talk to you about built bar the thing about built bar is oh i look i love chocolate right i eat a lot of chocolate but what stands out to me about built bar is the fact that it's healthy and it's 100 real chocolate well the thing is why is it like this well you got protein it's low in sugar and it's covered, again, in 100% real chocolate. So you think about Built Bar is locked on, fans. You can win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars of pubs delivered monthly straight to your door. All you have to do is, is go to Built.com. And, and when, you're, when you vote for your favorite, par, favorite bar or puff, 
you will be entering a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners could get a free box of built. So all you do is run to to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. That's builtmarchmadness.com. Go vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop on and support uh, built.com. But thank you for uh, choosing Built Bar because I'm going to choose Built Bar every time. And my co-host, my partner, Joe Molinax, who isn't here, I we love us in Built Bar. We love us in Built Bar. And look, I'm telling you, Walmart, Sam's, they both have Built Bar. So you don't you don't even have to go to the website to get it. You can just go right in your local Walmart. You can go to your local Sam's if you got a Sam's car. And Built Bar is right there for you as well. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the Western Conference layout right now. Where are the Grizzlies at? And are they comfortable? Stay tuned. So the Western Conference is tight. Western Conference is really tight. We've talked about this a lot, how each day the standings just drastically change. Drastically. It's something different. So the latest here is there was a lot of big movement on Sunday. For one, the first thing is the Grizzlies lost. When the Grizzlies lost, you if you were like me, you looked down and you saw the Kings were playing the San Antonio Spurs and you said, mm, the Grizzlies are about to have a one-game lead and uh, the Kings have the tiebreaker, right? Yeah, the Kings have the tiebreaker. So about to have a one-game lead, four games to play, which means the Grizzlies – they want that too. See, they're probably going to be forced to play some guys a little bit more in this last week than they probably want to. But then a stunner happened. The Kings lost in overtime to the Spurs. And with that being the case, the Grizzlies remain two games ahead of the Kings with four left to play. So a big development on that end for one. And then two, there's the West of the rest of Conference Land State, starting with the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets were at home against the Golden State Warriors. Again, coming into this day, it felt like there's a chance the Grizzlies can kind of just sneak their way up behind uh, the Nuggets, potentially for the one seed. I know the Nuggets have the top record there, but there was the opportunity to at least, you know, shuffle some things up a little bit. But the Grizzlies, with that loss and the Nuggets win, uh, the Nuggets haven't, quote-unquote, clinched the number one seed. But let me tell you something. According to Michael Cole, the Nuggets are going to be the one seed in the Western Conference. So with that being said, the Grizzlies are three games behind the Nuggets with four to play. Essentially, I believe the Nuggets' next win uh, will clinch uh, the number one seed. So uh, basically, the Grizzlies will have to win out, and the, and the Nuggets would have to lose out for any chance at the Grizzlies getting to number one. Uh, number two is a little bit interesting, right? Because the Grizzlies still have a two-game lead with four to play over the Kings. But the thing is... Uh, the Kings have the tiebreaker. So some of you may look at it as a two-game lead. I call it a one-game lead. And, you know, because you have one game is your margin for error. If the Grizzlies lose a game and the Kings win a game, that's your margin for error uh, there. But what the Grizzlies have going for them is the Kings don't necessarily have an easy schedule in this last week. Uh, while we're talking about the Grizzlies going against the the Blazers on Tuesday, uh, the Kings will be on the road against a Pelicans team that is, has been winning lately. The, a Pelicans team that beat the, the Denver Nuggets, shorthanded Denver Nuggets, by 20 points, and they beat the Los Angeles Clippers as well. So they play the Pelicans first, 
Then they go to Dallas, another desperate team that's trying to get in. Then you get the Golden State Warriors, but the Warriors will be, you know, another team that's fighting for playoff positioning. Then last game of the season is on the road at Denver. Again, I've said Denver should be clinched by then. So that game I do not expect to matter from Denver's standpoint. We'll see if there are any ramifications there uh, with the Kings. So at the end of the day, next three games for the Kings are pretty tough. Uh, the Grizzlies have a chance uh, to kind of create create more space, and if they do that, there's a chance they could clinch before we get to those last couple games of the season where the Grizzlies will finish the last three games actually on the road. So who can the Grizzlies end up playing right now, right? Two seed, sounds like there's a really good chance that the Grizzlies will be, be at, at number two spot. Number seven spot is where they'll play this team. And let me be clear here because I put on Twitter – uh, one time the Grizzlies were the were the two and the Warriors were the seven. And I was like, the Grizzlies are pretty, on this point uh, currently projected to play the Golden State Warriors. And people started to say, oh, uh, that the Warriors still have to win a play-in game. Well, duh. I know that. That's the point of saying they're projected, as in this team is the seventh seed and they're projected to be the seventh seed. So that means they're projected to play the Memphis Grizzlies. But with all that being said, uh, right now the seventh seed is none other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Hmm. Could you imagine that? We haven't thought about that one that much because uh, the, the Lakers have, you know, kind of been off in the wind a little bit, but now they've come storming back. And, uh, and they're the number seven seed uh, right now. And, again, it's, it's bunched up. Uh, the Clippers are at five. Golden State's at six. The Lakers are at seven, the Pelicans at eight. What if I told you all four of those teams have the same exact uh, record in the loss column? So, but the Clippers and the Warriors are 41 wins. Uh, the Lakers and Pelicans are at 38 wins. So let's go to conference record, right? Because if you're looking at conference record between these teams, uh, the Pelicans have the best conference record right now at 28-21. Uh, the, the Warriors are second at 27-22. The Clippers are 24 and 25, and the Lakers are 24 and 24. That could be a difference, potentially. And who gets what? So those are the four teams right now where it's outlined as uh, very likely that the Grizzlies could end up playing one of those teams. And another interesting point, and we'll see, you know, how teams figure it out. And I'm I'm not gonna shut down the idea of this happening because it's it's the NBA. The Suns right now are the four seed. Uh, they've won five games in a row. Kevin Durant back. I think they're five and zero, six and zero, six and zero with Kevin Durant in the lineup. And I've seen some people say, "Oh, uh, I've seen some Lakers fans say, stay on the six line so you don't have to, you know, play get to the five spot and eventually play." you know, the Suns in the first round. Same thing with some Warriors fans uh, wanting to play the Kings in the first round. I saw ESPN's Brian Windhorst actually reported that, you know, Golden State and Lakers are among the teams that, that want to get their shot at the Kings, who would likely be the three seed in a 3-6 matchup. I don't really know, you know, if I agree with the idea. It sounds good in theory, right? Kings not the playoff experience team, but, but that place is going to be rocking. Uh, right now, if you, I'm looking at it, I, I think you could make an argument for for any of those teams. But I think there there has been some room created there, where where it was all bunched up. Right now, five, six, seven, and eight are separated by half a game, 
And then you got to go down to Minnesota at nine. Well, they're two games behind those teams in the loss column. And then Oklahoma City Thunder are three games behind those teams in the loss column. So uh, some room being created. But the four teams that you have to outline now, if you're Grizzlies fans, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Pelicans. It could be either of those teams, but it's looking like uh, very likely that a trip to L.A. in some shape or form, if you just do the odds, is possible or a good old rematch with Golden State. And so we'll see and we'll monitor how that shakes out over the course of the week. Thank you for choosing Locked on Grizzlies for your first listen. Now for your second, make sure you make game to game uh, your second listen uh, on the Locked On Network. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game Locked On, and it's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Locked On Grizzlies is also available in all those places. And coming up tomorrow on Locked On Grizzlies, me and my co-host will be back together, Joe Mullinax. Uh, we'll be back, and we got a lot of things to talk about on the Grizzlies side. The Grizzlies are off on Monday, so there's no practice, no updates on that. And as far as Stephen Adams goes, you know as soon as we hear anything, uh, we will have you covered on Stephen Adams because the MRI is this week. The four-week reevaluation period was scheduled for this week, so we will have the update uh, coming up soon there. But thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies, uh, Locked On listeners. Uh, make sure you continue to like, comment, subscribe, all those good things. And we appreciate you, and we'll see you again on Locked On Grizzlies.